Thank you for choosing to listen to this message. At Coastal, we believe in changing and enriching lives through the power of the Word. We pray that this sermon would be a blessing to you. Thank you. We appreciate that. Hey, brother. Hallelujah. Exciting. Hallelujah. Well, um, don't forget, those that came in late, grab your pan, your, your, your foil, and come and fill it, and come and join us as we celebrate 17 years next, next, uh, next week, and uh, looking forward to that, 17 years, and everybody we mentioned, they can't believe that we've been here 17 years. We were in Cape Town for 17 years after we moved from Zimbabwe, so we're moving on to be longer here than we were in uh, South Africa, and so we've got to get to about 28 years before we are longer here than we've ever been anywhere else on planet earth so we're moving moving on and so when we first started the church everybody says so how so you know when are you moving on i said i ain't moving on no more three countries three churches i'm done i'm pegging my gravesite here i ain't going nowhere <laughs> hallelujah and so we want to be able to raise sons and daughters and send them and so um in light of that we've uh, we've we want to make every month. We kind of want to make a, a place and a space for for the, the up and coming generation. Uh, we call them our leadership team that that are coming up to be able to stand here and and be able to minister and preach and allow the word to be delivered. I can teach you all about driving a car, but until you get in there and hold that steering wheel and get up here and feel the nerves and feel your knees rattling and everything else, uh, it ain't going to be growing. But uh, so I'm going to do that to Fred today. Uh, and so Fred, come on up here. We're so blessed with Fred and Denise's gifting that's come to the church. It's just really, it's taken us to another place, and we're so blessed. And so he normally hides behind a guitar or behind a microphone. Um, so we've reduced his microphone to this size, and uh, we've given him a pulpit to hide behind, and that's about all you're going to get, brother. The rest is uh, hold on to the Holy Ghost. He's got all Monday to rest. So, um, so f Father, thank you for Fred. I thank you for... Uh, just allowing your grace and your goodness to flow through him as he ministers a word to us today. We really thank you. We posture our hearts to hear what your spirit is saying. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. All right. Am I, am I on? Good. Yeah, yeah. My knees are definitely shaking um, and everything else is shaking. It's totally different from what I used to and... Um, but I also think I'm shaking because there's something else going on. Um, and I felt his spirit so strongly during worship. And I just want to thank you, the, t the team. Um, I didn't preach my message to my wife, so she has no idea what I was going to add. And it was just beautiful how God's lined up. Even, even the moments of free worship just so beautifully lined up with what I want to share today. So I want to thank Rod, thank the eldership for the opportunity to be able to share with you what I feel God has really laid in my heart uh, this week. Um, and if you join us on the stream as well, welcome to you. Um, and I'm going to start off with a story. Is that good? Yeah. All right. So 1955, there was this lady who lived in Kansas by the name of Elizabeth. And one day, she was going through a wardrobe, and uh, she found this old green coat. Right? This thing was really old. It was worn out. It was threadbare. It was dirty. And it was totally out of fashion. And so she, she wondered and she thought to herself, why on earth has she held on to this coat for so long? Um, you know, it really, it's useless, it's worthless, it's, it's no good anymore. So she decided that she was gonna throw this coat 
away. And on her way to throwing this coat away, her son saw her and he stopped and he asked her, Mom, are you going to throw away this coat? And she goes, yes. And to that, he replied and says, well, can I have this coat? And she looked at him. It's like, what on earth are you going to do with this coat? It's, it's old. It's worn out. It's a terrible coat. No one wants this coat. I don't even want it anymore. Anyway, he persisted. And so she gave him this coat. And her son took this coat and he took it into his room and he cut this coat up and he started stitching it back together in a different way. He took a table tennis ball. He cut that in half. And he took these two halves and he stitched them onto the coat. And I want to tell you that this useless rag went on to win an Oscar. It had a hit single that went around the world. This useless green coat um, had a TV show that went on for years and years and years. But most of all, this useless, worthless coat um, had a celebrity love affair with the most beautiful pig on the planet. You see, in the hands of Jim Henderson, this green coat became Kermit the Frog. And I'll tell you what, I had Kermit the Frog growing up, and I had no clue that it was Kermit the Frog. My, my teddy was Kermit the Frog. So, um, yeah, yeah. But you know what, that's the beauty of it. Like, Jim Henderson could see what this seemingly useless rag could be. He saw beyond what it was, and he saw what it could be. And I'm sharing this because I think every single one of us at some stage in our lives have dealt with feelings like that. Maybe you sitting here this week, you've faced those same challenges. Um, maybe it's been, you know, maybe it's still going to come. I know for a fact that even in me leading up to preach this week, I've had to battle those same lies from the enemy, the lies that we're not worth anything, or the lie that we don't have much to offer. What do I have to give to the Lord? You know, if I compare it to someone else, my gifts and my abilities, I don't have any fancy skills, you know? And we can look at that and we can say that I don't have anything to give. But I wanna tell, tell you about some people in the Bible, ordinary folks, some of them even the lowest of the low, and they did amazing things. And we remember them today. We tell stories of them. And I'm gonna start off with the first guy, Gideon. And Gideon... If there's anyone less qualified in the Bible, it's probably Gideon. And he confesses this with his own mouth. He says, I'm the least of my family, and my family is the least of the tribes of Israel. And God knew that. God wasn't surprised by that. But see, God's not looking for power or strength or persuasive words. Um, he always chooses those who in the eyes of the world are least so that he's most glorified. And I love that. God doesn't ever count potential with size or strength. He looks at our hearts, and we can read that in, in 1 Samuel. So Gideon takes 300 men composed of farmers and shepherds, and he goes up against 135,000 battle-ready Midianite soldiers. And because Gideon trusted in what the Lord had said, he saw the victory come. Amazing, right? David, we know David, right? Man after God's own heart. David had some issues. He was a murderer. He was an adulterer. And in Psalm 103, David writes this. It says, God does not deal with us according to our sins, nor does he repay us according to our iniquities, or none of us could stand. Yeah. Isn't that beautiful? And God restores King David. He restored King David after one of the greatest prayers of repentance in the Bible. And in Psalm 51, we read this. this is, David writes this. Have mercy on me, O God according to your steadfast love, 
According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. David was a lowly shepherd boy. He became one of the greatest kings of Israel. Isn't that amazing? Moses. Moses was on the run for his life because he killed an Egyptian. Spent 40 years in the desert, desert regions as a shepherd. And Moses, as well, was not good at speaking. And there's a conversation between him and the Lord in Exodus 4. And Moses says this, the Lord says, Oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent, either in the past or since you've spoken to me. But I am slow of speech and tongue, and I love God's reply. God says this to Moses in the next verse. He says, Who made man's tongue? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? And I love this. I think this is funny. Therefore, go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. Right? And, and I was looking up that, that, that passage and, and God's response, and I, and I read it up somewhere, and it speaks about, it's not that, that Moses had a problem with speech because of the sin of the world or divine cruelty. It's not that God was cruel and allowed that happened, but it used this word in a love, and it says providential. And if you go look up that word providential, it says involving divine foresight and intervention. See, God can see, like Jim Anderson did, he can see the things that we feel are limitations or setbacks. He can see what he can do through that and in that. And Moses went back to Egypt and he led Israel out of Egypt. Paul, one of the greatest persecutors of the church, became its greatest missionary. Saul, we know later, renamed Paul. Saul, Paul meaning humble, Saul meaning destroyer. And Saul stopped trying to destroy the church and gave his life up to build the church up. Abraham. In Genesis 12, God promised Abraham that he would become a great nation and he would be instrumental to many other nations. The thing is, Abraham didn't have any essential components of nationhood. He didn't have land. He didn't have descendants. But God speaks to Abraham and says to him that he will become a great nation and he, to him and his wife, even though they had no children and even though they were past the age of childbearing. You see, the God who can create out of nothing could give children to Adam and Abraham and later nations. And I love this. And if you, this is just a side plug for Barry's Bible study, going through the life of Paul, incredible. Barry just does an amazing job at it. And we, we read this, I think it was last week. And in Romans, Paul accounts Abraham's faith as exemplary for all believers. And I stand before you today. I don't have a picture of myself up there. But um, here I am. <laughs> you can see me. And I stand before you today. I'm not a third or fourth or second generation pastor. Actually, no one in my family was ever involved in ministry. We attended church, and that's what we knew as a family. And you know, I'm thankful that God has placed people along my path that have stirred things within me and spoken into my life. And if I did not believe in the promises and the words God has spoken over my life, I did not believe in the divine purpose and destiny that he had for my life, just like he has for your life. If I didn't believe those things, if I didn't believe they were, that they were vastly different to the shadows of judgment or feelings of inadequacy or not worth anything, I promise you I wouldn't be standing today in front of you having the opportunity to share this. And when I was thinking about this, and this is for Jerry, um, it's not in my notes. Um, he said he was looking to see what I would share that wasn't, that wasn't in my notes. And I was thinking about this. 
And please hear me, it's not an arrogant statement. And I honor my family. But because I did that, because I trusted in the words of the Lord, I get to change the course of history for my family. Amen. Going forward, just like every single one of you get that opportunity. When we step in and we allow God to do what he wants, what he wants to do in us and through us, we can change the course of history going forward. So my message title for today that I really felt stirred in my heart was this, dare to believe that the Holy Spirit is with you. And I wanna start out with Acts chapter two, and it's the story of the day of Pentecost. We know the story well, and we're gonna read from chapter one together. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Isn't that amazing? We know this passage of scripture. If you've been around church and church circles, you would have heard the story a lot of times. And it's very easy to assume that what's happening here is that the Holy Spirit is coming on the early church, empowering them to fulfill the great commission of Christ that we read in the previous chapter, right? That Jesus says, you will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. But I looked at this passage and I wondered, the Spirit isn't just doing one thing, but two things here. Firstly, the Spirit is stirring boldness and inspiration within the church to go and preach the gospel. But at the same time, the same Spirit is doing something different in the streets. He's stirring questions and curiosity in the hearts of people ready to receive that message. You could say one, one group God's stirring up um, to speak, another group God's stirring up to receive. One group God is stirring up to share the love of God and the gospel of Jesus and to another group he's getting them ready to receive this very same message. You see, every time we get together like we are today in this room and we come into his presence and the spirit starts moving in our hearts, just maybe, just somewhere, right now in your world, in our world, there's a relative, there's a neighbor, there's a colleague, there's a classmate. They're right now in this moment God's preparing their hearts to receive the message that he's preparing us to go out and share. Yeah. And I wanna tell you about this story, beautiful story that I heard. Um, it was about this young gentleman, 25 years old, and he moved to Europe. He was a Muslim refugee. So he's in Europe and he's getting used to his new surroundings, new culture, and something beautiful happened to this guy during the summer. Every night as he lay asleep, he would dream a dream. And in this dream, he would see a massive auditorium with thousands of people standing in this auditorium like this with their hands lifted up. I want you to remember, this is a Muslim man, never been in church. He has no way to understand what he's dreaming and he has no way to relate to what's happening in this dream. And this dream is on repeat. Every single night, he dreams the same dream over and over again. So eventually he decides, well, I have to find this auditorium. So he goes to the streets and he starts stopping people and asking them, excuse me, do you know of a big auditorium where a lot of people get together and they stand like this? One by one, didn't have any success in that. So he figured, well, it's a big auditorium. Maybe I need to get to the capital of the city. So he gets in the train, heads up to the capital of the city, and he gets off the train at the stop for the capital, 
steps onto the platform. And as he steps onto this platform, this man sees him and walks straight up to him and says to him, you need to go back one station. You've come one station too far. And this gentleman says, thank you, turns around, <laughs> gets on the train and heads back one station. And he gets to the station, he gets off and he's, he speaks to the first person that he sees in the street and he says, same thing, excuse me, do you know where I can find this massive auditorium where thousands of people are standing like this? And this guy goes, yes, I know that. It's one of the churches in the city. So he gives him the directions to this church. He arrives at this church, it's a Saturday night. And as he enters this building, thousands of people are standing with their hands like this. And the very first thing that this young man gets to hear is the altar call. And as he steps into this building, this pastor says, maybe you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus. And this young 25-year-old Muslim never put his foot in the church, opens his heart to Jesus and he receives Jesus as Lord and Savior. Isn't that powerful? I want us to understand the amount of heavenly coordination that went into this project. Jesus puts a dream on this guy and repeats it over and over and over again. He then places an angel on the platform to direct him to the church. And then as he gets into church, as he steps into the building, he immediately identifies with his dream. He sees the layout of the church. He sees the balconies. He sees the backdrops. He exactly identifies with the color scheme in this building. Everything. Isn't it amazing how much God loves one person? That we go through all that effort. And here's the thing. If he's preparing us as a church to speak, he's preparing those who need to come and hear the message. Yeah. Amen. I would amen to that. We have a personal story of this. A couple in Chicago. Um, now, my wife met a lot of folk because we have kids and they would end up at the park and all the moms would get together and somehow we would end up at people's home for dinners and stuff. And so we met this one couple in Chicago and we, we frequently had meals with them and they knew what we were about. They knew that we were pastors in a church and that we believed in Jesus. And you know, we never pressured them with anything. We just loved them and we kept meeting with them with meals. But I would always wonder when would be the day that I would look up and I would see Tony and his family be in the church. So the one Sunday I'm leading worship and as I look up, I lock eyes with Tony. And I'm like, wow, I wonder why he's here. So we go through the service. And after the service, Tony beelines to me and he says, I need to speak to you. I need to tell you what happened last night. So we go upstairs in the building and he starts telling me on his way to a music concert the night before, the Saturday evening, there was this cab driver, young, young lady, she was studying um, to be a pastor and she gets this word of wisdom, this word of knowledge for him and she shares it with him. It's so dead accurate that this guy breaks down crying in the back of this cab. And I want you to know that we never pressured him, but he knew where he had to come the next morning. He knew where he had to be. And uh, they continue to come to our church after that. And I just, you never can discount what you are sharing and you think that you aren't seeing any results. God's working. He's always working. So, if God is preparing us and if, and if he's preparing the world, then what is our responsibility? What are we meant to do? And I wanna share this morning just two points on that. Point number one, and we kind of touched on this already, that we simply need to dare to believe that the Holy Spirit is with us, right? There's a beautiful story in John chapter 14, and this is actually the very first time that Jesus goes into depth about the Holy Spirit that will be coming to replace him on earth. And we're gonna pick up from verse 16. 
So John 14, verse 16 says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. For he lives within you and will be with and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. I find it interesting that when Jesus introduces the person of the Holy Spirit, the first thing he wants us to know is not how big and powerful the Holy Spirit is, although he is. The first thing that he wants us to know about the Holy Spirit is not that maybe this Spirit will give us goosebumps or emotional experiences, although he might. The first thing that he wants us to know is that the Spirit will never, ever leave us, never forsake us. He will always be there. And this means that there will be, there will be days when we feel his presence, we have those emotional experiences and I love those moments, but it also means there are gonna be days when you're gonna feel nothing, no experience. And let me tell you this, even those moments when you feel nothing, he's just as much with you in that moment. You see, church, the thing is, the Holy Spirit is not with us because we feel him. He's with us because Jesus promised he would be. He declared that the Spirit of God will be with you and Jesus never lies. Sometimes we just need to add extra faith to the promise of Christ that the Holy Spirit is with us. Amen. I'm gonna tell you another story. You guys good? Yeah. All good? All right. He has another story. So there's this pastor. He's on his way to, to an island to go speak at an Easter conference. And um, he gets into this plane. Plane's packed, full of people. Um, gets himself settled into his seat. And, uh, you know, he's kind of preparing himself mentally. He's got his Bible out, gathering his thoughts, going through maybe some sermon notes because he's got a couple of messages that he needs to speak. Next to him, however, um, let's just call this guy rather large. Right? But this guy is rather large, but at the same time, this guy is also really drunk. And because he's really drunk, he's also very loud. All right, so now you, just probably like I might have thought that maybe oh, this pastor, holy man of God, is probably praying for this guy. Um, and here's the thing, because this guy's so drunk and so loud, he's, he's sharing anything that pops into his head, into his mind, right? We all, we've seen it. Maybe you've experienced it. And because he's drunk, <laughs> he's also got these wild gestures as he's sharing these things and he's knocking this pastor. And so this pastor's getting a little bit annoyed, right? And, and like I said, I don't think he was praying for him, for his soul. I think if he was praying anything, he was praying for him to either get upgraded, downgraded, whatever graded, just move to another seat, right? So anyway, so at this time, this, um, the captain comes onto the speakers and he says, ladies and gentlemen, just wanna let you know, we got word from the islands that there's a storm. We're not gonna be able to land tonight. We're gonna to have to turn this plane around and uh, we are going to have to make another attempt, attempt to land in the morning. This loud guy gets up and says, no, 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 I need to see my family tonight. And what he does, he, um, he looks at this pastor, looks at his Bible on his lap, looks back up at this pastor and says, man, you better pray right now. Right? And this pastor is taken a bit back, caught off guard, wasn't expecting this, doesn't actually know how to respond to this guy. And so he thinks for it about, for a little bit, and you understand, like, everyone's, this guy's got everyone's attention on the plane already. So now everyone is leaning in. Everyone's listening to what's, how's this pastor going to respond? 
So this pastor thinks about it and he turns to this gentleman and he says to him, no, I'm only gonna pray if you pray with me. So this guy thinks about it for a little bit, turns to this pastor and says, no, I'm not praying. I don't believe in God. Isn't that funny? This guy who doesn't believe in God wants this pastor to pray to a God that he doesn't believe in. So this pastor said to him, well, if you don't pray, I'm not gonna pray. So he thinks about it again. And he turns to this pastor and he says, if I pray with you, will we be able to land tonight? Now the plane is leaning in. Now they're listening. And um, I think this pastor in that moment searched for any kind of word of truth, a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge to pop up, any light bulb moment, any inner voice, any prophetic word, any angel, Michael, Gabriel, any one of them <laughs> writing on the wall to show up, yes, you will land tonight, and there's nothing, absolutely nothing. Not even emotional experience, no confirmation, nothing. But what he had to go on was the promise that the Spirit is with us always. He will never leave us, never forsake us. So this pastor takes one of the deepest breaths he's probably ever taken, and he says, yes, if you pray with me, we will land tonight, and I assume in his mind, he also said, so help me God. <laughs> so they both folded their hands, bowed their heads, and they started to pray. And this pastor started praying for everything that he can possibly pray for this guy. His family, the dog, the future, the, the neighbors. He wanted to allow God maximum amount of time to perform this miracle. <laughs> and at the end of it, he says, and dear Lord, I pray that we will be able to land tonight. And he says, amen. And I kid you not, five seconds later, the captain comes onto the speaker system and says, ladies and gentlemen, we have just heard back from the island. The storm has just cleared and we'll be able to land tonight. I wanna emphasize again, sometimes we are not gonna feel anything at all. But if we dare to believe that even in our darkest moments, even in our quietest times, even when we have no emotional experience, the Holy Spirit and God is with us just as much. Because he says he will never leave us and never forsake us. If we dare to do that, church, that's where the church prepared to speak will connect with the world prepared to listen. That's where you and I prepared to speak will connect with the world prepared to receive. There are these two quotes I just wanna share. First one says, faith does not deny the problem, but faith chooses to see the potential inside the problem. Secondly, faith does not deny the obstacle, but faith chooses to see the opportunity inside that obstacle. And we can know the leading and the guiding of the Holy Spirit Church. It's not, it's not meant to be hard, I think. And God says this to us. And I'm, gonna, I'm gonna read this in 1 Corinthians 2, verse nine. It says, that is what the scripture means mean when they say, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. But it was to us that God revealed these things by his spirit. For his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deepest secrets. No one can know a person's thought except that person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And we have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit. So we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. And I once heard an illustration of this very thing that I thought was so, was so beautiful. It was around Easter. And if you ever hide eggs, Easter eggs for your kids to find. Bill Johnson once shared this illustration of that. And I know there are some of us who are very um, competitive and we need to win. And you might be that parent who's sitting here who hides those Easter eggs so well 
that the person that buys your house 20 years later and does demolition and construction <laughs> finds the Easter eggs either in between walls or in the roof or somewhere. You know, so I hope if you hear and you're one of those, I pray grace. Um, no, what he was saying is that we hide the Easter eggs, right, so that our kids can find it. And then we stand back and we stand in anticipation and we watch our kids as they get closer and closer. And then we discover the joy as they discover the joy of finding the Easter egg, right? It's exactly the same with the Holy Spirit. God doesn't hide himself from us never to be found. He hides himself so we can discover the mysteries. And he, he delights in that. So, one other thing that we need to do as God prepares us to speak and prepares the world to listen is simply this, that we step out of our boats. You and I to step out of our boat. There's another story, Matthew chapter 14. It's an amazing story. Jesus' 12 disciples, they're on a boat on the Sea of Galilee. And we know the story. Jesus comes to them walking on the water, right? And there's this conversation that happens between Peter and Jesus. And at the end of this conversation, Jesus says to Peter, come. And now Peter is challenged with this fact that he now has to step out of a boat that he's so familiar with into something he's completely unfamiliar with. Now we need to place ourselves in Peter's shoes just for a second. Peter was a fisherman, right? Matthew 4 tells us that Peter was the son of a fisherman. So if Peter knew anything, he knew the sea, he knew the ocean. He also knew how to control a boat. And Peter knew this one thing, that there was no moving across the Sea of Galilee without a boat. It's not walking on water to get across the Sea of Galilee. You needed a boat. And this story speaks to you and me, even though we, there might not be a Sea of Galilee around us, even though we, there might, we might not have a boat, but the boat represents a place of safety, a place of security, maybe a place where we feel comfortable, a place where we feel like we're in control, just like Peter did with his boat. And it's beautiful to me when Jesus first meets Peter and the relationship starts to grow, the beautiful thing is, is that Peter actually steps into, Jesus steps into Peter's boat. Isn't that beautiful? He steps into his place of comfort. He comes to Peter, but he's not on his own terms. He's not asking Peter immediately to do the crazy things of faith. He meets Peter where he feels like he has control. He's, he's comfortable. But then as the relationship grows and, the, and it merges, there comes a day when Jesus says to Peter, come, Peter, there's nothing wrong with your experience. There's nothing wrong with, with your control. There's nothing wrong with your zone of comfort. There's nothing wrong in the place where you feel safe. But Peter, there's more. There's more. If you would only take that step out of your boat, if you would take that step of faith, I know that on the other side of that step, there's a miracle. See, sometimes we need to do something we've never done before so we can see something we've never seen before. Sometimes we need to say something we've never said before so that we can see something we've never seen before. And I don't know where your boat is. I don't know where you are with the Lord right now in, that, in this story. But I know there's gonna come a day for all of us where Jesus is gonna ask us to step out of the boat and to trust him, to step into a place that might feel unfamiliar and uncertain at first. But he promises us he will never leave us and your spirit will always be with us. And here's the thing that's on my heart, we can so easily miss those opportunities because we wanna stay in our boat because it's comfortable. And I know what's going on inside of my boat. And sometimes it's hard to step into uncertain territory. I'm sure it was hard for Peter to step out in the water 
you know, I think Peter was clever enough to put two and two, and two together that there's no walking on water. You're going to sink. But then also we realized that when Peter took his eyes off Jesus, he started sinking. And sometimes we can operate out of fear rather than faith. So I know when God calls us out to step out of that boat, on the other side of that step, there's a miracle. I believe that with all my heart, I've seen it. A lot of us are walking it today. We have all been in moments where we've felt God tug and call us to come, and we've taken that step of faith, and God's moved us into a new season and done amazing things. I've been in this church for six months, and I've heard incredible stories of people stepping out of the boat. Romans 8, I love this scripture. Romans 8, 18 says this, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. It's our place, church, to stand up. It's our place to rise up and to say when Jesus says, come, come, there's more available to you today. There's more than you could have ever imagined or dreamed of. There's more available. Come and step out. There's a world waiting who God is preparing, waiting for the sons and daughters to step out because God, God's readying us to speak. You know, we've been sharing this theme for the year, God's goodness revealed in us. And that goodness gets revealed in us and through us, right? But where does the world get to experience that goodness? It gets to experience it when God has prepared us to speak and we step out of the boat and we connect with the world that has been prepared to receive or to listen. So I wanna pray for us that the Spirit of God will move in our hearts. Whatever you might be heading into this week or this month or this year, whatever Jesus might be calling you out into, that you will, we will be ready at any time. We would take that step of faith and we would see his kingdom advance. Amen, let's pray together.